0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, Excited to be with you in this way this morning preaching. Um, So, yeah, super glad to be here. Let me start by praying for this time. Dear Lord, we do thank you. Oh, God, I just I love to uh, hear the prayers of of the the congregation. Um, Thanks for that. And um, Lord, we do pray for this time coming up, Lord, that we would as we check out your word, Lord, that you would lead us that your spirit would help, help us to hear what we need to hear uh, through very imperfect words, Lord, that you are the perfect one who will who guide, guide us in the way you see fit. So we pray for that, and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Paul's been writing to uh, these people here in first, the letter of First Thessalonians. It's the church in Thessalonica. And these people had two questions they were really wrestling with. And one was that what is going to happen to our loved ones who have fallen asleep? To those who have passed away, are they going to be okay? And the other question he was addressing is, uh, when is the Lord going to return? And last week we saw how they are just to be ready. And then Paul gave them incredibly comforting words. And you you can see it there in chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. He said this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we might live with him so from that bedrock statement that's amazing that we might live with Jesus regardless if we're awake or asleep we here in our text day are asked and faced with the question how are we to now live knowing that that's true of who we are as we find ourselves in Christ how are we to to live and And what Paul is going to do here is he's going to give us some, or a few, commands in terms of um, what does it look like to live Christianly within community? Living Christianly within community. And, um, And if we are to understand what Paul is saying and how we are to live Christianly within community, it's a super beautiful thing. It's very beautiful. Now, Believe it or not, my family and I, we've been actively pursuing beauty over these past few weeks, and it may or may not come to us as a surprise to you of how we've been doing it, but most evenings we get together and we've been watching the Tour de France. Tour de France, that's, I should say like I'm in, a, in the United States. Tour de France, all right? Not the Tour de France, right? maybe watching too much of it. But uh, it's a race, it's a three-week race that covers all of France, and this year it started in Denmark, and. And we love the stories. We love the gear. I love the gear. Um, see the bikes and what's going on. We love the attacks and we love the cracks of how the guys fall off. And, and this year, the storyline is of the two best riders. One is from Slovenia, Tade Pogacar, and the other one is Jonas Vingegaard. He's from Denmark. And so a couple days, this week was a huge week. There are two big mountaintop top finishes. And I think it was on Wednesday, uh, that we find the two-time winner, uh, Tade, he was down by two minutes and 22 seconds. And there they are on the last mountaintop finish, and it's one versus the other. All the other guys have fallen off, and there is Tade and Jonas. Jonas is leading the race, um, and I'm, in a way, rooting for a uh, turnover of the yellow jersey. The person who leads wears the yellow jersey. And I was hoping that was gonna happen, and, and there they are at the very last, and what had to happen is had to make a break but he just didn't have the power to do it and at the end of the day there's no change in leadership and Jonas is actually going to win here they probably already has won here today we'll watch it tonight to see how that happens but as we think about our text today living christianly in community is beautiful it's a beautiful mountaintop finish but i also want us to wrestle with the, the truth that it's it's a mountaintop finish where we just don't have the power to do it. We're like Tade. We cannot break away to, to wear the yellow jersey. And that's something that I would like for us to wrestle with as we look at the text today. Um, so we are um, we're looking at living Christianly in community. And we'll see three things. There are a couple different aspects of this community. One is how do we live Christianly with regard to our leaders? Second, what does that look like as we live out our lives with each other? And then third, uh, we'll ask the question, how are we to even do it at all? So first, uh, I want us to think about living Christianly with regard to our leaders. And God has placed leaders, pastors and elders over us to shepherd us as his people. And Paul describes these leaders in three different ways. You see in our text in verse 12, he says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. These leaders are those who labor among you. The ministry, believe it or not, is a life of hard work. The term for labor here is one of, that means toil. It's a farming term uh, that expresses lots of hard work. And some might think that being a pastor is a pretty cush job. One day a week for however long that sermon lasts, that's what you're doing, right? And that sounds kind of good. But it's, it's more than that is actually a, a, a hard job. Now, there are some pastors who are lazy, for sure. But I think for the most part, if you're... If you, okay, I, I've outed myself, maybe, or others, I don't know. Uh, that happens. But I think you, I want to realize more and more, and I want you all to realize more and more, that being a pastor is a hard job. There's a lot involved. And it demands a great deal of time and energy. There's preaching and teaching and preparing sermons. Counseling, instructing, visiting those who are sick, church meetings of all hours of the day, weddings and funerals, bearing unbearable burdens, putting out raging fires, building, casting vision, studying and praying and praying and praying. It's a big job. It's a great job. It's a hard job. It's a work uh, of which our labor, leaders they labor among us. A second way that Paul describes these folks is that they um, they are over us in the Lord. They are over us in the Lord. And this term being over, it, it might have us to be think that this is a position of power, uh, control over us, and that's not what this is all about. Being over one, it's one of protecting caring for and looking after this description of a leader is uh, follows in the footsteps of Jesus who said he who is first must be last he who is the leader must be a servant he who is the chief must be slave of all and to those who lead in this community way are called to give their lives for the sheep and to lead by serving by guiding by giving help where they are needed by caring and the final description we see of these leaders is they are to admonish and this is, a, this is a hard thing to say uh, a word of encouragement because something is happening that's not right. It's really hard to admonish. And not only just to admonish in a gruff way, but to admonish in a way that's loving and caring and gentle when it needs to be gentle. As opposed to doing it the way perhaps we would want to do it with d- too direct. So this is the work of a leader. And um, the question that I would have us to ask is, how are we to respond to this leadership? And we see the answer in our verses 12 and 13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, um, who are over you in the Lord, and to admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. How are we to respond? We're to respect, esteem highly, and to love these men. How are we to love Pat, Matt, Josh, and Dan? We're to respect, esteem, and love them. And how many serious problems in the church might have been avoided if leadership happened in this way and our response to that leadership would have happened in this way? Now, I'm not referring to Fountain Square in particular. I'm in the church as a whole. Um, What I've seen here at Fountain Square is a wonderful example of how you love your leaders. Thank you for the way you love them. I mean, Pat's on a sabbatical because you love Pat that much and you realize that he is working hard. So thank you for doing that. But all the same, there are still moments where my heart looks at the leaders of the church and I myself am challenged with respecting, uh, with esteeming, and with loving in the way that I believe I'm called to love my leaders here in this text. It's not easy. And... Um, so what I, what I want to voice out is, are there going to be a disagreements between you and the pastor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, might these disagreements be serious? Yep. Um, might these disagreements lead to serious consequences? Yes. But regardless, there is a way that we can have these disagreements. And um, before I leave this topic, I want to say what this does not mean. What this does not mean is this. The pastor is always right. Right. That's not right. The pastor is not always right. Here's another thing this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean you don't have a voice. Because you do. You do have a voice. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't say anything. You have to say something. You must say something. But there's a particular way in which we, we go about saying things to our leaders. It's tough. It's tough to lead in this way. It's tough to respect our leaders in this way. And how are we to do it? Hold that thought. I'm going to come back to it. So the, the secondly, we've talked about how we live Christianly in community with our leaders. The second thing I want us to think about is how do we live Christianly with each other? Because here in our text, we see that not, it's, it's, Paul's not just talking about our leaders. He's talking about all of us. He says in verse 14, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, and all who find themselves in the church, what are we to do? Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. Here are three different types of people. Or better said, here are three different situations in life in which we all find ourselves in from time to time. When we are idle, when we are faint-hearted, when we are weak. Here are three ways and times that we, as people in the church, need to know how are we to go and live in community with people in these situations. And the first thing Paul says is that we are to admonish the idle. And, uh, the word idol here is uh, a military term referring to somebody who is out of step with the other people in, in, in the military. Maybe it's that they're lagging or, or, or not doing what they should be doing. And what's happening here with the, the church in Thessalonica? They are—they have some in the church are not doing the work that they should be doing. Why? Because Jesus is returning. It's going to happen any day. So, what, what matter does it? play out if I am to work so they have stopped their working and this is causing a great disruption in the peace of the church and that's the direct context of what Paul's writing about but this extends to us today there's a call for us to to see and be in each other's life so much so that we know when uh, we are idle. And what it's happening here is we are to admonish those, to encourage them, not in a gruff way, but in a gentle, loving way, to spur one another on in these moments of being idle. And I think it's really interesting that the call is for us to admonish those who are idle as opposed to admonishing those who are straight out in full sin. It's before we get to that point, we're leaning in to say, how is it going with you and Jesus? I missed you at at this or that. And I I find like you've told me before that you want me to be in your life. And I'm not sensing that you're allowing me to do that. What's going on? And that could be how it looks. So we all are encouraged to uh, admonish each other when we're idle. And so the second thing that we're all encouraged to do is to encourage the faint hearted. The word for faint hearted here means those who are small of soul or discouraged why are they discouraged? I mentioned it earlier, they're discouraged that they're fearful that their loved ones who have passed away will miss out on the blessings that will happen when Jesus returns. Are they going to be saved, they're wondering. And Paul here um, has assured us that absolutely. We read of verses 9 and 10. They, they, it's going to be okay that they live with Jesus now and they will in the future. As we encourage those who are faint-hearted we weep with those who weep. We, we offer prayers like Georgia has prayed here this morning that we, we want to remember our loved ones, Gary and Charlotte and Kelly and Zach. We mourn, we, we, we walk with each other in these terrible seasons of life, not with a quick trite, it's, it's going to be okay, but sitting in the, in the hurt, in the horror of death. And that is how we do that together. And I have seen that happen here in a Redeemer um, a bunch lately. The third thing that we are called to do is to help the weak. And what does weak mean here? It could be those who are spiritually weak, those who are um, new to the faith. It could mean those who are morally weak. We see an example of those who are caught in sexual immorality in the beginning of chapter 4 in Thess- Thessalonians here. Or maybe even better said, these are those who are physically weak, those who don't have their needs. We are to be aware of what are the needs that are out there in our body, in our our folks, and to watch out for one another and to meet those needs as we can. And um, get this, we are to admonish, we're to encourage, and we're to help all under the rubric of two overarching mandates, of two overarching commands. And we see those in verse 14 and 15. Look at those here. Help the weak be patient, with them all. Number one. And secondly, see to that, that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. How, how, do, you get, how do you feel about these, this, this community? I want you to stop and think, it is beautiful. It is a mountaintop finish. It's got all the storylines that will drive us and to know that this is worth our time. It is a beautiful thing. But if I might be honest, it, it's overwhelming. Admonish, encourage, help. I'm not sure, we're not sure we have the time nor the ability to do this. And to do them being patient with all. I think we, we all wish to have patience, but we're not patient enough to wait for it. Right? Uh, I saw a quote by David Byrne of Talking Heads. He says, patience is a virtue, but I don't have the time and, and to, to admonish to encourage to help um, in a way that's not returning evil for evil not by way of reprisal but by way of forbearing by way of forgiving that's not easy to do frankly when I help others and I do so even with patience and they reject my help my heart is like I hope that goes well for you it's not easy living christianly in community is beautiful and i I hope that god would inspire us today with how paul would have us to live because that's how god would have us live supporting one another in this way but it is a mountaintop finish that we don't have the power to to do right so how are we to do it the last thing i want to have us think about is how are we to live christianly in community how are we to live as called to live so if you, if you didn't catch it, today's scripture is full of commands. I counted nine in the translation we read. And that's a lot. And uh, these commands, they communicate to us God's heart for how we're to live Christianly. All right, They are called for us to live as Christians. Not so that we might become Christians. They are given to us for us to live as we have been made to be Christian. So we do so from a position of we have arrived so that we can now thrive. That rhymes. I don't like thrive so much, but that's not in my notes. Okay, so, um, but I, I find great encouragement in that. Like I can look at a list of commands and say, I don't have to keep those so that I can be. I keep those because I am. Secondly, these commands communicate not only the heart of God for those who are, but they communicate the heart of God for those, for us, who we will be. And they communicate the heart of God for how he's going to make us be who we will be. All right? And why do I say that? Key verse. We didn't read it earlier, but it's verse 23. So if you have your Bible, check it out. If not, listen closely. Key verse in this whole list of commands, more commands we'll hear next week even. Here's what it says, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, how much so? Completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these words, these commands are given so that they might sanctify us. So they might help us to be Holy, to be set apart as holy. There's a big theological word. It's called sanctification. It's how God is in the process of growing us to be the people he knows us to be, who, he, who we are to be. And in this process of growth, it's going to happen little by little by little, progressively. Right? It doesn't happen right away. It's the work whereby we, as believers, we are dependent on God, that He's in, he's at work in our lives, and that... We are continuously ourselves struggling against sin. One article said it like this. God's method of sanctification, growing us up, is neither activism, self-reliant activity, or apathy, God-reliant passivity, but it's human effort dependent on God. Sanctification is about growth, and as we've experienced in growing, there are growing pains. (laughs) So if obeying these commandments as people of God, if it's hard, I get it. Growing pains, it's not easy. So in light of this being part of our sanctification process, how are we to do it Christianly? Well, we do so by living through Christ. By dying unto sin more and more and to living unto righteousness more and more. By repenting and believing and repenting and believing and on and on for all of our lives. By following God's commands, we learn to live in God's commands. And by depending on God in our pursuit of patience. Right? How, are we to muster up the patience? Yes. And God help me to do so. That's actually what Paul does in, in 2 Thessalonians. Um, hear this at the end of his in the, the second letter to the Thessalonians. He says this, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And you should know here that the, uh, patient endurance, the steadfastness of Christ, it means, um, it means patience, right? That's in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 3, he, he, Paul himself is saying, I receive patience from the Lord. He is the one who gives it to me. In fact, uh, we depend on the Lord so that we, we will not return evil for evil, so that we would not seek reprisal, but we, we depend on Him that we, He would allow us to forbear, to have forgiveness, to love others. How? By, by realizing and remembering over and over again uh, that we forgive because we are forgiven. We can love even when it's hard to do because He loved us even when we were unlovable. So, yeah, living Christianly in community is hard, it is beautiful. It is a a majestic mountaintop finish. It is one that we don't have the power to do, though, on our own. We cannot do it on our own. We do these things together. (laughs) This is proper for us to be talking about this together. We do this where we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Here they are right here, how we how we re- respect, esteem, and help, how we lead in such a way that's gentle in, in, in the right way. We, we do these things together, and we also do these things alongside our Savior, Jesus, who, through the power of the Holy Spirit, grows us in our sanctification as we seek to live Christianly in community. So let's pray and ask for God to help continue leading us. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for... How it is you empower us to grow, and uh, would we have the courage to uh, not do it on our own? To do so together, uh, imperfectly, knowing that you perfectly uh, work in our lives. Uh, help us to get uh, to, to lean into you more and more, and uh, give us the, the knowledge and the know how of how to do that even better. Thanks again for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.